CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, we're live at the NASDAQ Market Day for the very last show of 2017. It is absolutely freezing outside, but the guys here, they're warming up behind me. While they're doing that, here's what's coming up on the show. Crude oil just hit its highest level in more than two years. And the chartmaster says it could create a boom for beaten energy stocks. He'll break it down. Plus, that's what volatility was like this year. And it's created a phenomenon in the options market. We'll explain. And later, Mike's figured out a way to make money in Apple if the stock goes up, down, or nowhere at all. And he'll show you how to do it. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins right now. And let's get right to it, because after lagging the market all year, suddenly energy stocks are showing signs of life. The XLE Energy ETF surging 5% in just the last month as oil hit 60 bucks for the first time since June 2015. Names like Halliburton, Valero, Chevron all bouncing. So should you stick with energy heading into the new year? Let's get in the money right now. Mike. You know, when you take a look at the entire space, let's say you take a look at the broad sector ETF XLE, you know, it's the integrated names that are at the top of the list. They represent the largest constituents of that index. And of course, as oil prices rise, that's going to bring them up because they are essentially just a big bucket of oil themselves. The oil service names, though, I like that space a lot. I have even when oil prices were lower because they just have good fundamental business right now. We've seen that a lot of, you know, basically the fracking businesses have been able to make money at progressively lower prices. Innovation in that space helps the oil service companies probably more than anybody. Yeah. Right. Well, I think you have two things going on in the oil business right now. We've seen crude get above $55, $50 a barrel, and that's been key for these oil names, for some of the, the frackers out there and whatnot. And so that's been a big boost. Once we cross that 50 mark, that's really when XLE and all these individuals' names started to take off to the upside. The other thing you have in there with the, with the Brent and WTI spread that we continue to see at $6, $7 apart, that is very good for U.S.-based uh, companies to export that oil overseas and make some profit there. And obviously in the XLE, a bunch of those top 10 holdings are those kind of names that you'd like to see get right. that profitability when they export. So it's been a huge boost. They did not move earlier in the year when oil first moved. Now they're playing catch up here with oil above 55 sitting here at 60. This is a great time to be in this space. I love names like Occidental that are some of those top 10 holdings in the XLE. Well, Carter says there's something in the chart signaling more gains for energy stocks next year. So, Carter, why don't you head over to the yeah, plaza and explain. We'll see what we can figure out here. I mean, we look, energy, worst performer in 15, best performer in 16, now bottom of the barrel again in 17. It's, it's, it's volatile stuff, and uh, if you get it right, you win, and if you get it wrong, it, it, it hurts. Let's, um, let's try to make the case for energy here. So you got two lines. They speak for themselves. I want to just look at the spread between the winner and the loser. So... Um, over the past five years, this is tech and this is energy. You're talking about, um, well, almost a 10-bagger spread. Now, let's zero in a little tighter. Here's the past five years. And this is telling. Unch. Not only unch, down a little bit versus tech. 40% spread on the year. Here comes the year-to-date chart, and then we'll look at a few others. This is... Um, well, this is the chart we just had. It's the, same, it's the same spread. Let's go on to the next and see what we pull up here. Okay, so now we've got the year-to-date 
And, and this is incredible. Yeah. The question is, what I think you're seeing here is a little bit of a hook down and a hook up. And I think that's the beginning of something that's going to be more enduring. Now, here is another way to look at that chart we just looked at. This is the tech sector on top, and this is relative performance to the biggest sector to tech, energy on top. Here we go. Now, this is the key to the whole thing. S&P 500 energy, which again, has all the look of a bottoming out, but important, not only is it going up, it's starting to outperform the very thing that dominated the market this year. So it's a nascent bottoming out action. Let's go to the chart itself. Here's a five-year chart. I think you can draw the lines this way. We've clearly broken above trend, and that's an important development. That's energy. And now, take a look at this. And this is, this is the whole story, right? And, and Brian was just talking about it. You've got crude oil, and you've got energy. The presumption is that energy stocks will go the way of crude. I think you want to be overweight this in 18. Mike, how do you trade this? Uh, the way I'm looking at this, you could look at the March 72 and a half call. You could spend $2.15 for that. Why am I looking at just a call outright? The options are quite cheap here, probably about a 15% implied volatility off of an all-time low of about 13%. So the options are quite inexpensive here. The other reason you don't just reach out and buy the stocks, though, is that despite the fact that spot crude, basically the near end of the curve, is more than 20% higher than it was six months ago, if you go out five years, five-year crude is actually a little bit lower. So we have basically this inverted curve. A lot of times people will say in the commodity space that that is bullish when you get that, when you start to trade in backwardation rather than in a more normal contango where the front month is lower. However, the fact that the long-dated stuff hasn't gone up is one of the reasons why the integrated space isn't my favorite right now. Yeah, and listen, we have a global growth play right here that's going on, and it's going on in the oil markets. It's going on in some of the other commodity space. That's giving a good boost to oil. And like I talked about, over that $50, $55 a barrel oil spot, these XLE names, XLE names are going to do great. Mike makes a great point about buying a call here. When volatility is cheap and you want to play to the upside, buying a call outright makes a lot of sense because it's a cheap premium to take a shot on that. But I don't think it's just a shot. I think it's a real play. I think there's a lot behind it, not just the global growth play, but look at Saudi Aram deal is still coming down the pipeline coming up. The Saudis need the price of oil to be higher. OPEC continues to stick with their cuts on oil. That's all been a boost. I think oil's here to stay above 55 and in that case you want to be an XLE. And if you want to be more aggressive, right, you don't play the XLE because 40% weight is an Exxon and Chevron. You go after Halliburton and Schlumberger. Or you fade Valero, which is at all-time highs, which is the defensive of all, uh, you know, sort of energy stocks. Mike, last word. Yeah, I mean, look, you're spending 3% of the underlying price of XLE here. If the long end goes up a little bit higher, we see more volatility. That, and you can always spread. That's the other thing, right? So if we get a rally, you can spread. Or you can look to turn it into a risk reversal if you get a dip and you want to buy it. All right, let's move on here. You hear that sound? That is the sound of volatility this year. The VIX hitting all-time lows in what has been a historically <coughs> quiet year for the market. Bob Pisani is breaking it down from the NYSE. Hi, Bob. Thanks, Melissa. In an extraordinary year for the stock market, one of the most extraordinary developments was the continuing run of low volatility. The S&P 500 has had a total of eight days this year in which it moved up or down 1% or more. Only eight. That's way below normal. In 2016, the S&P 500 had 48 such days, 71 in 2015, 39 in 2014. 
with such low volatility, it's no wonder that the traders may engage. The VIX stayed low all year. The VIX averaged 11 in 2017. 11, that's the lowest on record. The average in prior five years was almost 16. The VIX traded under 10, a total of 92 sessions in 2017. So why exactly is volatility so low? Well, you can partly cite the Fed and global bankers, which have kept rates low. You can also cite strong earnings. These trends may reverse next year, we don't know, but there are also longer-term forces that may be at work. For example, it's possible, likely even I think, that the growth of passive investing is playing a part in tamping down volatility. Overall trading volume, I would also note, has been lower than average for several years. Back to you, Melissa, and Happy New Year to the whole gang. Same to you, Bob. Our thanks to you. So Brian is the volatility expert here on the desk tonight. What does this mean for the markets, and how are you trading it, Brian? Well, I think what's going on in volatility is really interesting. Bob makes some cases on the retail side and the flow into the ETF market that's limited some of the volatility. But I think it's been the pension and the institutional side. When you look at something called the SKU index, okay, that measures the price what people pay for puts, the demand for puts on the downside in the S&P relative to calls. That is at record highs. People are going out and buying insurance on the downside despite having no volatility. And what that's doing is anytime we get a sell-off in the market, the protection's in play, they have it on, and all these institutions are coming back and buying the market and bidding it back up. And we get stuck in this range here. And I think that's been the play why we have such low volatility. For me, that's why the market can just continue to creep higher. You know, there's a reflexive thing going on here because when we talk about passive investing, one of the things that can actually cause index volatility to decrease is dispersion, meaning one stock goes up and another one goes down as people rota rotate out of one stock and into another. Passive investing doesn't work like that. Additional money flows into the market and people buy everything and it basically goes up. Rising tide lifts all boats. When I see that high skew index, what it tells me is that when money starts to flow out of the market, it will do it basically in a mass liquidation, and you will see an increase in correlation. And that, I think, is what accounts for the fact that those puts are actually trading at a bigger premium than they usually do. Sure. And just to put it in numeric form, not so much in terms of volatility or options, but just the actual facts about the drawdowns, there have been 216 5% plus drawdowns, 1927 to present in the S&P. And this one, we've gone 286 sessions without one. Uh, that's uh, the third or fourth longest on record going back to the 20s. Does it happen Jan 1? We know that the 73-74 bear market started right away. We know that in 2016 the market came off. You could easily get a calendar switch here. But the point is there's nothing wrong with pullbacks. They're the only thing that allow a market to go higher. But you definitely want one at some point. There seems to be an assumption that because volatility was so low all this year, Brian, that volatility will go higher. It's got nowhere to go but higher next year. Is that your thinking as well or can it remain this low? Well, that's been the thinking for quite some time over the last course yeah, of the year. It hasn't and happened. It, it hasn't happened, right? So what's going to happen going forward is I think we need one or two quick small little shakeouts before we can get a more significant uh, shot to the downside. That, or we need to see people starting to reach for the calls to the upside, have a shot at getting some leverage to the upside. We just haven't seen the leverage plays to the upside that would sort of get people over leverage into this market and then shake us out. You know, one of the reasons people always think that volatility is going to rise is because they describe it as a mean reverting process. It's always been about 15%. If we're right. below that, therefore, it should go back to where it usually is. However, we're talking about some fundamental changes in the way that the market operates that suggest the mean itself could be going down. So it wouldn't surprise me if in the coming quarter or two we continue to see what historically we would characterize as unusually low volatility because I think the mean is actually lower than it has been.
For everything Options Action out there, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, sign up for our super cool newsletter. How else would you ring in the new year? Here's what's coming up next. Worried that could happen to Apple shares next year? Well, we've got a way to buy protection for less than three bucks. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. Tech has been one of the hottest trades of the year, but there are signs popping up that there could be trouble in paradise. Josh Lipton's breaking it down from San Francisco. Hi, Josh. Melissa, tech was the best performing sector in the S&P 500 this year by a long shot, a gain of 37 percent. To put that in perspective, the silver goes to materials with a gain of 21 percent. Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, all up more than 50 percent. Apple up 46 percent. Alphabet tacking on more than 30 percent. But now attention turns to 2018, and some are betting on a fall. Just take a look at the short sellers. They have painted a bullseye on big tech. Data from S3 Partners shows which stocks professional managers and investors are short selling the most. On an absolute dollar basis, S3 says Apple, Amazon, Intel, Netflix, Microsoft, Alphabet, and Facebook have some of the highest levels of notional short interest in the market. Hedge funds make money by betting against companies they think are overvalued, so investors well advised to watch stocks with high levels of short interest. And the one stock that has seen its short interest rise the most into the year end is Apple. In the past 30 days, its short interest has increased over $1 billion, bringing its hold to $8.8 billion on an absolute dollar basis. It's not just hedge funds either. Strategists JP Morgan are underweight. Yes, tech boasts strong fundamentals, they say, but they're concerned about valuation and crowded positioning, among other worries. Melissa, back to you. Just to be clear, Josh, though, these are absolute dollar terms, so it's not a percentage of shares outstanding. So the bigger the company is, like an Apple, the more likely it'll have a greater dollar amount of short interest, correct? That's correct. Okay. Josh, great, great reporting. Thanks a lot, Josh. Happy New Year. Josh Lipton in San Francisco. So if you own any of these stocks and you're worried they could take a hit, what should you do? Professor Kao is at the plasma with his last call to action of the year. Take it away, Mike. All right, so we're going to take a look at selling a call spread. This is a way that you can make a modestly bearish bet on a stock. Why do we like to do these? Number one, they have a higher probability of profit than simply selling the stock outright or buying puts would. Secondly, they can have very attractive risk-reward relationships. And finally, this is something you can do whether you hold the stock or not. So the stock, here's a little teaser on that that I'm going to be talking about, is Apple. And we can see, obviously, here that the stock hasn't performed that well. This iPhone 10, the iPhone X, is one of the reasons, I think, why it hasn't been doing quite as well. This is a stock that historically people have thought of as exceptionally cheap. It isn't as much anymore. And if this thing doesn't sell 50 million units, maybe we should be betting against it here. And the way I'm looking at that, February, you could sell the 170 calls when I was looking at this earlier today for $5.80 buy the 175s against it for 360 net net you're going to collect two dollars and twenty cents this spread is five dollars wide that's a very nice risk reward relationship because you're going to collect that 220 if the stock sits right here if it drops or even if it rallies up to 170 and even you still have some profits if it goes slightly higher than that it is only above 172.20 that you would see losses brian what do you think of the trade 
Well, it makes a lot of sense to start to look at some of these names that have such a great run in them and those that are going sideways like Apple and maybe make some short bets to this. So I'm looking at the 169 level as a key support level in Apple here to pay attention to. I think if we break below there, we sort of got to sell off into the close today. If we break there starting the new year, maybe you do want to put this call spread on and be short the call spread because certainly there could be a little bit more downside to this thing. These things have had such great runs. Uh, having said that, you know, you guys, Carter and, and Mike, talked on Fast Money. The U.S. technology sector is a place to still be. So I don't think you get completely out of it. I think that's why Mike's doing a short call spread than just playing an outright short bet on these names. Right. And also, I mean, the thing about short interest, right, it's not so much the, what you were citing, the dollar value. It's the ratio of the shares outstanding. If you look at Apple, Amazon, Facebook, Google, their short interest ratios are all below two. In fact, they're all about one two to one seven. That's what the shortage in the SPY. I mean, they're just the market shares. Um, the question is, and we talked about it a little bit last night. Can Apple is the market, right? I mean, yeah. and, and if the market's in trouble, Apple's in trouble, and vice versa. But I think, in a way, Apple is a defensive play based on valuation, some of the things that Tim talked about, and also based on its chart, there's nothing wrong with its uh, price action. You know, Amazon, Alphabet, these are companies, though, that have other tailwinds behind them that Apple, as a consumer device company, does not possess. All right, still ahead, financials on fire this year, but will the trade last? Someone on our desk has a warning sign for you. Stick around to find out what he is seeing. Plus, got a question, send us a tweet to at Options Action. End the year right with one of our traders answering your question live on national TV. Much more Options Action right after this. Welcome back to Fast, uh, excuse me, Options Action. We've got a news alert on Riot Blockchain. Seema Modi's in the newsroom with more. Seema. Melissa, Riot Blockchain CEO and Chairman John O'Rourke selling around 30,000 shares, cutting his stake in the company by a third. That, according to the latest SEC filing, Riot Blockchain, a biotech, recently renamed itself to better reflect its new venture into blockchain. Back to you. All right, Seema, thanks. Uh, Seema Modi in the newsroom. Actually, the information that I have is that uh, he now owns 12,500 shares after selling 30,000 shares. So that's the majority of his stake that's here. That's 12,000 shares too many for um, anybody out there, I'll tell you. What's remarkable is what little skin he had in the game, if you think about it. Less than yeah. half of a percent total. I mean, even right. pre-sale. I mean, there are people who've got much bigger bets on this stock. But The optics question. of this, though, is that this company used to be known as Bioptics back in October. Changed its name to Riot Blockchain. The stock skyrockets. Um, the CEO we've asked to come on Fast Money uh, a couple of times. The spokesperson said that they could not find the CEO and that nobody had talked to him in days. And now this filing comes out that he has sold a majority of his share of the company that he owned the day, the night before New Year's if Day. If it looks weekend. like a duck and it <laughs> right. walks like a duck, I mean, don't touch this thing. The optics on this terrible. are just terrible. terrible. So, John O'Rourke, if you're listening, come on. Uh, shifting gears, two weeks ago, Carter & Co. warned of a bank breakdown. Financials have trended higher all year, and yet they've made no progress, absolutely dead flat on a relative basis. Now, adjusted for risk, financials have not paid you. In fact, you have uh, generated negative alpha, so to speak. Obviously, the taxes and the politics are good for financials, but they have this burden of a very benign interest rate environment. I was looking at the March 27, 25 put spread in XLF. You could spend just 35 cents for that. Since then, the XLF is up about a percent. So, Mike, how are you managing this trade? Well, you know, this is one of the reasons you probably, when you were looking at this, said, well, why would you sell that put for 20 cents? The reason, that thing's only 10 cents today. And consequently, that $2 put spread that we spent 35 cents for is worth 30 now. 
And considering it'd be worth as much as two, and we have until March, I think you stay with us. How do the charts look? Well, I mean, the, the problem with banks, and it, it really gets down to this, is the rate environment is not on their side. Uh, you can talk about the short and the long end, but basically they've underperformed all year until a spurt just at the end. And if you look at what they've done in December, banks have underperformed. I think it's dead money. Dead money. But just quickly, I mean, shouldn't the environment overall change next year? The regulatory environment, M&A environment, trading environment? But the thing is, if that's the case, let's just uh, say it all is, okay. is the market thinking that and already pricing that in? It should be priced in. Well, I, I think the, the issue that you'll have, and you talk about the fundamentals, and yes, some of the regulatory environment will be a little bit more favorable for the banks here, but I think when you take a look at it, really, you look at the yield curve, the two-year, 10-year is starting to narrow right there. That is not great for the banks. And if we continue to get a, a rising interest rate environment, you look at the inflation, or I should call it reflation, by this tax code that got passed now, and you look going forward, you got oil prices moving higher, you got gold prices moving higher, lots of little bits of inflation creeping in. We get a couple good jobs numbers over the next couple months, you're going to see the front end of that curve continue to move up without necessarily the back end moving higher. That'll be bad for banks. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final, final call of 2017 from the Options Fit. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Our first tweet is from Mike, who asks, I bought out of the money Merck February calls today. Their earnings report coming up. Do you like Merck? Mike, why don't you answer Mike? I don't like Merck that much, but if I was going to make a bullish call, calls are the way to go. All right. This one comes from a very familiar Twitter handle, <laughs> producer Kristen. Um, and she's just dying to know, what does Mike Coe drink on New Year's Eve? Water and champagne. Hopefully you should do both of those. Hydrate. <laughs> very important. Time for the final call. Last word from the options pits. Brian Sutland. I'm long calls in, in spy and short out of the money puts. Playing to the upside in the market. I think we got a little bit to go. Carter. XLE Energy. Get long. Mike. Sell call spreads and Apple. Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks, Brian Sutland, for joining us. Mad Money is up next. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.